Hey guys, welcome back or welcome to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host Justine and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, I'm currently recording this instead of doing my homework. That's right, I have homework. The reason for that is because I decided to take a J-term. It was probably the worst decision of my entire life, but the UVA mindset just really got to me, and for some reason, I have convinced myself that I need to have a minor, so I was like, mm, I have enough credits to do a religious studies minor, basically, if I take this J-term and one class in the spring. Um... But now I'm regretting that because I, I don't know what a religious studies minor is going to really do for me. Probably nothing. Just the, I don't know, not even clout of saying that I have a minor because I don't think anyone really cares. But basically, that is my dilemma. I'm in a J-term. It's actually, the topic is interesting. It is, should I say it? I won't say it. The topic is interesting, but it's like a poetry course. So I'm very confused. And I think that there are a lot of English majors in my course because they all talk a lot and know a lot and i'm just sitting there like i had a completely different interpretation of this poem and i guess no interpretation is a wrong interpretation but mine are just so far off that i am starting to think that there are such things as wrong interpretations all right so i'm looking at the timestamp and just telling me i have been complaining for a minute and 30 seconds so i think that is enough um complaining for one episode so today we're going to be talking about ocd with a very special guest so i will just get right into that introduction all right, so our guest today is Maya Kim. Maya is a third year at UVA, double majoring in sociology and studio art. She's a tour guide who works at the Freeland Museum of Art at UVA, and she's part of a collective called Asians Revolutionizing Together. In addition, she plays the bass and enjoys rock climbing. So welcome, Maya. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. All right, so we're just going to jump right into the personal experience. Um, just as a trigger warning, we do talk about suicidal thoughts, sex, and self-harm. So if any of that could be potentially triggering for you, um, this might not be the best episode to listen to. So Maya, when were you first diagnosed with OCD, and how does this manifest itself in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I was uh, first diagnosed with OCD at 14 years old after I went crying to my mom um, about not being able to control my thoughts. It had been happening for like a few weeks and I couldn't stand it anymore. And I wrote down some of my intrusive thoughts on a note in my phone and I just showed her because I couldn't say it out loud. And then she um, she's so wonderful. And she did research. And the next day she said, we'll get you therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was so thankful for being diagnosed with OCD because I genuinely thought I was crazy. Um, I was researching like if I could get brain surgery. Uh, I had really like no understanding of like what was going on in my head. Um, It was the worst at night. Um, And the only way I could like make my thoughts go away for even a little bit was to pretend to die. And so I would lay in my bed and let my eyes like unfocus at the ceiling um, and just like breathe slower and my thoughts would go away uh but of course mm-hmm. uh, um, uh fantasizing about dying is not really like a sustainable treatment or any at all so mm-hmm. um i had to find other ways and i started therapy uh when i was 14 stopped because it was too hard uh, because it, uh cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy is so difficult and i felt like mm-hmm. i just jumped in way too fast um, 
And then um, when I was 16, I went on a medication and I'm still on the same medication as I was on when I was 16. And it genuinely changed my life. Like I was able to at least like start therapy again and start Mm -hmm. practicing um, cognitive behavioral therapy because before it was just so overwhelming and then going on medication absolutely changed everything um, in terms of my ability to uh, let go of my thoughts. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like, well, first, it's really brave that you were able to go to your mom to talk to her about your intrusive thoughts. Because at 14, I mean, at 14, I had no idea what OCD was and stuff. So that was probably really scary. And to be going through that alone and thinking you're crazy is really scary. And it's really amazing that your mom's first instinct is, okay, like, we're going to figure out what this is and get started with therapy and stuff. Because I feel like that's not what a lot of parents would immediately jump to since, I mean, I guess like the generational shift, like therapy is still kind of like new territory um, for them. Also like with the idea of you like thinking that you needed brain surgery or like willing to have brain surgery really just says a lot about how we kind of like want to make these mental disorders and stuff physical because that's kind of like what we're taught like how to deal with things like that and like a lot of people don't take mental illness seriously as like an actual illness because you can't really see it yeah for sure um my mom was absolutely incredible and I immediately thought that I was going to be uh judged for like the thoughts I was having Um, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get into the type of thoughts later but I thought um my intrusive thoughts made me like a bad person or like broken in some way. And mm-hmm. um, at, on your point on making things physical, like I felt like I really needed like physical proof of my ailments. Like mm-hmm. needed to prove to myself that I wasn't my thoughts and that I didn't want it to happen. Yeah. So whenever I would get thoughts, I would like, re- I did a lot of like jaw clenching and uh, I would bite myself and like scratch my arms. Um, and eventually moved to cutting. Um, but it was really just a way to prove to myself that I didn't want the thoughts to happen and it wasn't a reflection of myself. And the way I proved that was to mm-hmm. um, inflict pain when they happen. So yeah, absolutely, in terms of like needing a physical marker to prove illness, like, it was super prominent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you again for sharing that. So what is the greatest challenge you face as a result of your OCD? Yeah, um, so most of my intrusive thoughts, at least for the first two years of my OCD, were um, sexual intrusive thoughts. And uh, I recommend like anyone who's listening who feels like this might relate to them to Google it because I don't want to get too much into these because I'm still working through a lot, but it can range from anything from mm-hmm. uh, rape pedophilia, incest, and they're thoughts that come into your head and you can't make them go away and they add distress to your mm-hmm. day, daily life. Um, and mm-hmm. then later in my life, I got more um, existential intrusive thoughts where I would obsess over like the meaning of the universe, um, which for some reason was a little bit more manageable in some ways because sex is just such a taboo topic. Mm-hmm today that even just 
thinking mm-hmm. about uh, topics relating to that already had a starting value of like 9,000 in my mind. But yeah, um, early in the in my diagnosis, um, I could not be around uh, my family. Uh, I was afraid I was going to hurt them or I didn't understand how to interact with them anymore. Uh, I would lash out at them and uh, other people around me. Like I was very easily triggered by um, sexual content or sexual, um, I guess, everything <laughs> at the time. Like um, mm-hmm. sexual jokes could like just send me over the edge. And even today mm-hmm. it's given me an incredibly skewed view of sex. Like it's a constant back and forth um, between me believing that I'm like completely sexually broken. Um, and then also uh, when I was first experiencing uh, these intrusive thoughts, I thought to myself, like, you need to have sex in order to like replace these intrusive thoughts with actual experiences, which is not the way intrusive thoughts work. But I was just trying to find any way that I could substitute what I was thinking with something else. Um, so they're both different coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I... I'm still, I think, rebuilding certain relationships in my life because of the way that um, my intrusive thoughts uh, hurt me. That, like, now approaching uh, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's like <gasps> seven years ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, there are certain things that still I find difficult. Like one common obsession with OCD is obsession over sexuality. Um, and now I identify as bisexual uh, if mm-hmm. people ask me uh, because I do really feel that I experience attraction to people of many different genders. But um, when I was in high school, I would just obsess. Mm-hmm. Like I w- would take quizzes online um, and I couldn't tell if it were if, mm-hmm. if it was my um, intrusive thoughts telling me about my sexuality or if I was actually this mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, and I just became obsessed with labels and I was constantly on like Tumblr, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, other places just like looking for answers, uh, as if there were like, there was some like golden answer that was going to make mm-hmm. me feel better. Um, and because of this, I usually try to avoid labels because I tend to become obsessed with like the perfect label. Thank you again for sharing. Do you feel like the lack of education about sexuality at a young age kind of impacted your desire to like understand more about it or like having to like go on Tumblr and stuff like that to try to like get these answers? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely felt like there was no, like I needed clear answers, which now that I like follow more queer activists and people talking about this, you realize how fluid sexuality can be. Uh, And that's something I definitely would have benefited from knowing uh, at a young age that Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to just be yourself and whatever comes along comes along rather than trying to Mm -hmm. figure everything out about yourself uh, so young um, and trying to label, put yourself into labels. Because on one side, like Mm -hmm. labeling is, really comforting because you feel like you're not alone and then on the other side it can feel suffocating because then you think I need to fit this label uh like the Mm -hmm. minute I was like oh I think I'm bisexual I thought how can I how am I supposed to act now to fill that label like I haven't kissed a girl Mm -hmm. before I need to do that like 
And I think that can be really damaging, especially with for someone with an obsessive personality or OCD. Yeah. Um, it can put you into a place of just like, I need to uh, embody this thing to the uh, its full stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like a lot of what you talked about has already kind of crushed a lot of misconceptions about OCD. But what is like a common misconception people have about OCD and what's your response to that? I think the most popular misconception about OCD that's been talked about a bit more now is the idea that uh, OCD is just a descriptor of like someone who's like clean and likes to disinfect things. and keep everything neat and orderly, lines up their pencils on their desk kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's completely inaccurate. Like I'm an absolute mess. Like I can't keep things clean. I've never really worried about um, disinfecting to the obsessive point. Um, and when I hear people say like, oh, that's so OCD or, oh, I'm so OCD. Uh, it depends on the context with that person, but 90% of the time I just like take a deep breath and I'm like, this is not worth your energy. <laughs> Cause I mean, if you don't have OCD yeah. and you feel comfortable mm-hmm. like saying something like, Hey, that's oh inaccurate or like making a joke, like uh, that's always welcomed. Uh, but I never want to be uh, the party pooper in a way. And I don't want to nit- nitpick mm-hmm. people's language. And so I just sort of freeze up and then just, sit with discomfort until like the conversation's over um yeah when I try to call people out I try Mm -hmm. to do it like jokingly or tell them privately um but it's honestly it takes a lot of energy for me to do that all the time yeah because then I feel like if you're gonna call someone out like they expect you to like educate them on that and like you're like then their point person for talking about OCD and stuff and like sometimes like you'll be like okay with that like in certain situations but then it's hard just like when you're having a conversation with like people that you're not super comfortable with and stuff especially like calling them out it's like uh this is uncomfortable and again like you were saying do I have the energy to deal with this right now so yeah so how does your journey and experience with OCD look different now than it did when you were first diagnosed yeah when I was first diagnosed I mean, I look back on journal entries and art and stuff from that time, and I was just such a mess. Like, <laughs> I was going through it, um, and I didn't really notice how hard living was at the time, but it was so difficult. But mm-hmm. now, like, I've been on medication for a really long time, and I've uh, gotten much more comfortable with understanding that I am not these uh, intrusive thoughts, uh, and I've begun to practice mindfulness a lot more surrounding OCD. Um, My mom practices Buddhism Mm -hmm. um, and I try to incorporate that into my uh, mental health journey in terms of uh, seeing your thoughts go by and not necessarily attaching your uh, being to them or attaching your emotions to them, but just recognizing, oh, that's a thought. That's an intrusive thought. And then being able to just watch it rather than uh, reason through it. Because before I I had so much mm-hmm. obsession over proving to myself that it wasn't true. An example would be like with my existential OCD would be like, there's no meaning in the, uh, like life has no meaning. 
And I would obsess over that statement. And then I would try to find all the reasons why that statement wasn't true. And all I did was empower that thought and uh, solidify that that thought had power over me. It's like a, a headspace exercise. Like if you just watch the thought go by like a cloud, you can point it out, but it's not like tied to you no that's really important and I feel like that's really similar to what my therapist told me last year and just talking about how you're going to have thoughts that are like negative and stuff but not every thought is created equal and you don't have to spend as much time on certain thoughts as you do others and I think that's really important because I try to do the same thing sometimes like I'll try to like rationalize every anxious thought I have but instead I just hyper focus on that and then like that's the only thing I can think of and then like hyper focusing on that leads me to have new anxious thoughts and stuff and it's just like a never-ending cycle so sometimes you just need to be like all right that thought is there i acknowledge it but i just don't need to focus on it right now all right so did coming to college impact your ocd in any way and if so how uh yeah so i had been dealing with it for so long that going to college alone didn't really affect it too much um going to high school was definitely something that i had to deal with uh in a different way Um, My high school had classes and sports from 8 to 6 every day, except for Wednesdays. And then um, I had orchestra afterwards for about two hours. So I was there. I ended up relying on being busy and having no downtime uh, in order to control my intrusive thoughts, because the minute I wasn't doing something or thinking about something else or doing homework or music, I immediately started having intrusive thoughts. And I would avoid that as much as possible. Uh, and that was super harmful, especially when summer break would come around and I would become absolutely useless <laughs> because I would not be able to handle uh, being alone with my thoughts. And then coming to college forced me to kind of have more of a balance between downtime and work because there was uh, more time to fill. And so I had to sort of step back and think like, okay, can I handle uh, not doing something for 30 minutes and be okay with intrusive thoughts coming and just letting them go? Because that that was probably the hardest part. Um, The nice part has been that I've met more people who experience OCD um and ex- maybe experience it in different ways but we can support each other in a lot of ways like um i can talk mm-hmm. to certain friends and we can point out to each other like hey i think that's like an intrusive thought um because sometimes it's really hard to see um in your own shoes that you are starting to obsess over something uh and it, it feels makes you feel mm-hmm. less crazy because uh, i i was always yeah. worried um that i was genuinely insane um and uh meeting Mm -hmm. other people just helped that a lot i was initially worried because um i thought that people knowing i had ocd would give them like a skewed idea of who i was but i've gotten more comfortable with that idea now Mm -hmm. that's awesome and so do you think there was like a reason like why in high school it was harder to talk about OCD with other people than it is in college? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, first of all, didn't know as many people with OCD. There were a lot Mm -hmm. of misconceptions. Uh, There are in college too, but um, I now have people who are sort of in my corner. Uh, During 
high school, um, I felt like it, I couldn't pinpoint what was obsessive behavior as much. And so trying to explain mm-hmm. and understand myself, like what was um, a result of my OCD was really hard and what was like actually part of my personality. Um, and I also felt like mm-hmm. certain friends would uh, ridicule me over it, like uh, make fun of me for certain intrusive thoughts or um, the way I acted because of the intrusive thoughts. Uh, like I, sometimes someone would say something that would trigger me and I would be afraid to talk about that triggering me because I was afraid of ridicule or being made fun of. Uh, that's just one example. Or um, especially with uh, sexually intrusive thoughts, like I did not expect anyone in high school mm-hmm. to be understanding of that. And now I feel a little mm-hmm. bit more comfortable with yeah. certain close friends talking about it. Yeah. High schoolers are brutal. Um, that like brings up an interesting point though. Well, first, like obviously the importance of community and having people who like the importance of having people who understand what you're going through. And I wonder if like people who struggle from like mental disorders and stuff, like they have friends who have the same thing. Cause a lot of my friends like also have anxiety and I feel like that gives the friendship a different edge because they understand like what it's like to go through that. And so like, they'll understand if I like, am not texting like that much throughout the day. And it's just like, Oh, she like just needs to take a break from life right now and stuff. And I think like with OCD too, that's like particularly helpful again, like just what you were saying with having people who can like point out like what you're having like right now is an intrusive thought and stuff. And like, yeah, it's not something you need to focus on. All right. So thank you again, Maya, for sharing that. Um, and now we're just going to jump right into the advice. But before we do that, we have some stats to throw at you for anyone who is not super aware of OCD. So according to the National Institute of Mental Health, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, aka OCD, is a common chronic and long-lasting disorder in which a person has uncontrollable reoccurring thoughts, obsessions, and or behaviors, compulsions, that he or she feels the urge to repeat over and over. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, OCD affects 2.2 million adults. OCD is equally common among men and women, and the average age of onset is 19, with 25% of cases occurring by age 14. One third of affected adults first experience symptoms in childhood. Before we go into the advice, just a quick disclaimer, we are in no way trained professionals, so take everything we say with a grain of salt. And the best advice for seeking help to deal with OCD is to meet with a therapist and develop a treatment plan with them. Advice for completing OCD therapy homework according to the International OCD Foundation. Always expect the unexpected. You can have an obsessive thought at any time or any place. Don't be surprised when old or even new ones occur. This is an especially important um, uh, piece of advice, I think, because uh, intrusive thoughts can increase in power and decrease in power and uh, you'll get new ones every once in a while that are harder to distinguish as intrusive thoughts Uh, and it's totally like normal to suddenly be confused that you're getting different intrusive thoughts than before but it's also like totally normal and it doesn't suddenly mean that some are more real or some are less real they're all intrusive thoughts Uh, don't waste time trying to prevent or not think your thoughts this will only have the opposite effect and lead to thinking more thoughts. Absolutely true. Um, not trying to um, force them out only gives them more power. Uh, don't wait for the perfect moment to start your therapy homework assignments. 
Procrastination is a feature of many people's OCD. So start your therapy homework assignments the day you get them. The perfect moment is whenever you begin doing them. They're always going to suck. And you just got to so here are some self-help tips for living with ocd from healthcentral.com try to cut back on your compulsive behaviors slowly so for example if you must check to see if the stuff is turned off 10 times allow yourself to check eight times then six then four until you're able to check them only once Um, another is to delay performing your ritual if you must immediately perform a ritual for example if you touch someone you must immediately wash your hands try to delay washing your hands for one minute then three minutes then five minutes etc try to continue the delay in this time between the incident and the ritual until you feel comfortable not performing the compulsion finally what maya was talking about with uh, practicing mindfulness also try to practice relaxation techniques like deep breathing progressive muscle relaxation and meditation to slow down your racing thoughts all right and so if you don't have ocd there are also things that you can do that didn't make any sense <laughs> if you don't have ocd we also have some advice for you if you have a loved one who has ocd and just how to help them through that and this is all from treatmyocdd.com So first, educate yourself on what OCD is and how your loved one's obsessions and compulsions may manifest themselves in their life. Um, The next is to don't try to relate. Um, A lot of OCD obsessions can be distressing, embarrassing, and taboo, and equating them with surface-level OCD stereotypes may cause the person coming to you for help to feel like you're belittling their daily struggle. Um, In addition, it'd be helpful to help them find a trained professional to work with and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, in tandem with exposure and response prevention, ERP, is the gold standard of treatment for people with OCD, and this typically shows promising outcomes. Um, taking the first step to meet with a therapist slash OCD specialist is often the hardest part, so offer your loved one support and validation during this time um, and help them do research into different practices if you're comfortable with that. Provide encouragement during therapy. There may be times when your friend is struggling with CBT sessions or homework and may want to give up. You can help by encouraging them to persevere with CBT and letting them know that you have faith in their ability to succeed. And perhaps most importantly, don't participate. Uh, It's (laughs) super hard, but try not to rationalize their behavior, help them perform rituals, or assist them in repetitive behaviors. Sometimes this can just give the power to the um, obsession or compulsion. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Maya, again, for sharing your experience and that advice with us. Um, It's really important to educate ourselves on different groups of mental illness and their symptoms, because even if we're not affected it by directly educating ourselves on it can help a loved one in our life um, who's dealing with it. Um, And perhaps most importantly, we need to remember that these stereotypes about mental illness are very harmful to people, even if you think it's just a joke to say, like, I'm so OCD or something. Being OCD is not being super neat, so people need to stop saying that they're so OCD for, like, cleaning their room or, like Maya said, like, putting their, lining up their pencils on their desk or something. Like, that's not being OCD. That's just being, you know, (laughs) neat. Uh, Yeah, I also want to say that my experience is definitely not universal to everybody with OCD. Um, I just feel like it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have very obsession-heavy, compulsion-light OCD. Like, I don't have that many things uh, that I have to do over and over again, like check the stove or uh, turn off a light Mm -hmm. switch. Uh, I have, like, a couple of them, but mostly it's, uh, it has to do with intrusive thoughts and obsessions, and all 
kinds of OCD are valid and um, just because someone's doesn't look quite like yours doesn't mean that uh, one is less valid than the other. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. And just thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening and make sure to BYOB next week. Bye.